Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Redemption Hill podcast. We are a community of people learning the way of Jesus to bless our city of Boise, Idaho, and beyond. Redemption Hill is a unique place. We are a collective of micro churches that do life together throughout the week and gather on Sundays to grow, worship, and celebrate what God is doing in our city. You are invited to join us Sundays at 9 a.m. at Discovery Church in Boise, where you can find the community you need in any season of your life. More details can be found at redemptionboise.org. Up next is the teaching segment from this week's Sunday Gathering. Afterwards, stay tuned for more information on how to get connected at Redemption Hill. Just good morning again. My name is Cindy. I'm one of the elders here at Redemption Hill, and so glad to be here worshiping together. What wonderful message. Mana, thank you. I feel like I don't even really need to say much more, but I will anyway. I'll try to keep it short. Don't worry, I'm not going to go on for hours and hours. Let's, let's begin with prayer. Lord, thank you that you are right here with us, that you love us more than we can even comprehend. Lord, would you continue to open our hearts and our minds just to, to be open to your Holy Spirit and what you want to do, what you want to accomplish in us and through us today. Thank you for the gift of your word, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've been going through, as you know, if you've been around the last few weeks, the book of 1 John, written by one of Jesus' disciples, John, who in his, he also wrote a book of John earlier in the New Testament. This is a letter, but this is, uh, he's written a book. And in his book, he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. So he knew Jesus, he knew love, and so it, we, what he's saying here is, is really valuable for us as well. And last week, if you were here, Kyle Cabral did a great job of really helping us understand that, that being a Christian isn't just about checking the box that we believe something, but it really is living in a way that we're following Jesus and, and become, living like Jesus. He said we, we even follow the commands of Jesus, and the commands he told us weren't just this list of do's and don'ts, but it was really all about love, about learning to love God, and love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And just a little aside about love, love is the word we use a lot, but it's not simply, a, it's not a desire. You know, that's, that's you know, like I, it, it's really, love means to will the good of others, to will the good of others. I'm gonna say that over, to will the good of others. You know, because we say, oh, I love chocolate cake, but we don't really will it's good. We really desire it and want to eat it. You know, that's not love. Uh, love, when we love something or someone, we promote its good for its own sake. And that was Dallas Willard's understanding of love. You know, Kyle asked us some provocative questions at the end of his sermon. He said, how are we at Re as Redemption Hill, as this community of believers, doing at loving? Are we known for love? And I, I hope we are, but I hope we continue to grow in that. You know, that we're just at the beginning steps of that in our life as a, as a body of believers. And then the question, am I known as one who loves, as one who really uh, wants, the, wants to will the good of others? And, and is that not just will thinking about it, but doing it? 
Now, you may also recall, as we think about John's letter here, that it's not just this linear progression of first A, then B, then C. It's, it's he, he does a lot of repetition. He, he's kind of mulling over a lot of different thoughts you know, about the light, being the, walking in the light, you know, living in the light, the truth, the love, the, the, the goodness of God. And, but it, he kind of adds new ideas along the way, and, it, and really... It really is as though he's sort of mulling over these truths, and he wants his hearers, including us, to do the same, because the reality is it takes us a while for things to really sink in and for us to really digest them and for them to begin to transform us and to really become a part of us. So that's, that's why, if you think, gosh, I kind of think we heard some of this before, you, you, if you've been here, you probably have, but hopefully with a, a new little twist. Well, John wants us to know, just as Jesus preached, that the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is not simply something out there in the future, that he said the kingdom is now, it's available now. And what this means is that we are able to live in the light, in God's goodness, in God's love. We live in, in fellowship or relationship with God, with, with the whole Trinity, really. You know, they, there's this thing called Trinitarian love, and it's like God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit have this amazing, loving relationship, and they're inviting us to be part of that, to walk with them, to, to live with them, to do life together with them. And that's really what God's kingdom is all about. It's God's way of love that he's bringing into the world. It will it'll be, get better and better, as, especially when he comes back. But, but even the idea of eternal life, we think, oh, that just starts after we die. But, you know, when Jesus... I, I, explained or gave a definition of what eternal life is in John 17, and I don't have a slide for this, but here's what he said. Now, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So that's knowing God, the only true God, and knowing Jesus. That's, that's eternal life. Now, our, our passage today recognizes that the importance of knowing, we'll see that in a moment, but it also recognizes that we're all in different places along our, our spiritual journey. But let's listen to uh, John, 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14, because hopefully wherever we are in our journey of faith, is we want to grow and become more like Jesus. That's the whole idea today. Okay, so here's what he says. I'm writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. I'm writing to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I'm writing to you who are young in the faith because you have won your battle with the evil one. I've written to you who are God's children because you know the Father. I've written to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. So he kind of repeats himself. I have written to you who are young in the faith because you are strong. God's word lives in your hearts and you have won your battle with the evil one. Now we, we do notice that John seems to be addressing kind of different groups of believers with different purposes and yet there's a lot of kind of overlay and but we do see sort of a progression and he begins with I'm, I'm writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus now uh, this is a starting place you know we've, we've heard this the last couple of weeks Jesse and Kyle both talked about the need to acknowledge that we're sinners 
we have a need for forgiveness, you know, because our sin puts us in this place where we really are separated from God. But, but God wanted to, to bridge that gap, and he did so by sending Jesus, who lived and laid down his life for us and really became that bridge so that we can be not only forgiven but restored to that relationship with God for which we were originally created. You know, and, and so that, that is a vital first step. We look at, um, if we back up to verse 2 of that second chapter that our, verse, our scripture came from, it says, He himself, they're talking about Jesus, is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. I mean, Jesus offers that forgiveness to every single person. And then John says, if you back up to his, the book of John, his, his gospel, called the Gospel of John, chapter 1 and verse 12, he says, but to all who believed in him, that is, who believed in Jesus and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. So that phrase, children of God, really refers to anyone who has said yes to God, who has said, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. I believe, I want, I want that forgiveness I want to be made new. I want that restored relationship. And, and that, is the, that is the first step. You know, if you haven't done that, and, you, and you, you, it's not hard. You just say yes to God and help me to, to become who you've created me to be. But that's not actually, it is still just a first step. It's not the whole fullness of what it means to, to follow Jesus. And sometimes people and even churches have kind of fallen into this belief that, that's all it takes. If I just get to you know, say the right words, I get forgiveness, I get to go to heaven, I live my life the way I want. And there's, there, I mean, yes, you might get to go to heaven, but you miss out on life as God designed it here on earth. And, and that's what we really want to understand. Now, now, some people will add to that, well, okay, you've, you've made this commitment, you've let, you know, Jesus is in your heart or whatever, but now you really got to get to work. You gotta, you know, read your Bible, pray, you know, be on some mission trip, or you know, do all all these things, and and it starts to feel like, wait a minute, I thought this was grace, but this feels like works, and it almost feels like, is this really a, a grace salvation or a works salvation? I it, and I feel guilty. I'm how do I know if I'm ever doing enough? And, and so we that 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 can also be very discouraging, and sometimes people just give up. I can never be like Jesus. Well, the alternative to this sort of works-based salvation is what we might call spiritual formation. Well, what is spiritual formation? It's the process of transformation of the inmost dimension of the human being, our heart, also known as our will or our spirit. But it's the part of us out, out of which we really decide what we're going to do. We think we decide in our mind, but how many times have you thought, okay, I'm going to do this, and I end up not doing it. I do something else. I respond the way I don't want to. That's because we live out of our heart. So that's the place that really needs to be transformed. And so it says that spiritual transformation is, is forming that our heart in such a way that its natural expression comes to be the deeds of Jesus, of Christ, done in the power of Christ. So it's instead of just trying harder to be loving and patient and kind, it, it just naturally, it's who we are. It's become who we are. And it just, we, we don't even think about, we don't have to think about loving. We just, it would be hard not to love. Another way to think about spiritual formation is that we are apprentices 
of Jesus, who is our loving master. And so we want to we hang out with him, we become like him, we learn from him. And, and it's, it's a helpful question to ask, and that is, how would Jesus live my life if he were me? It's not so much how do I be, try to be like Jesus, but how would he live my life if he were me? Now, John seems to differentiate between those who are mature in their faith and those who are young in the faith, and there's, there's some overlap, but there does seem to be a progression. I want to look back at the scripture and just point out a few words for us to see. So if you're God's children, verse 12, your sins have been forgiven. Uh, if you're mature in the faith, you know Christ. If you're young in the faith, you've won your battle with the evil one. If you're God's children again, you know the Father. If you're mature in the faith, you know Christ. If you're young in the faith, you're strong. God's word lives in your hearts. You've won your battle with the evil one. So as I just described earlier, it begins with that knowledge of our sin, of, but we have to know God the Father, know that he's loving, know that he's provided, and, and open our hearts to receiving that love that he has for us, that forgiveness. When we take that first step, when we say yes to God, we become people in whom God dwells. He lives inside of us through his spirit, and he delights in us. It's not like, okay, now get to work. It's like, be my beloved child. And let me love you, and let, then we'll, we'll do life together. Also, by taking that initial step, it says we've won the battle with the evil one. And we think, well, gosh, I might be tempted my whole life long. But that initial battle of even, you know, Satan trying to keep people from even coming to Christ has been won when you say yes to God. And we also receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, who is that God's presence with us. It's his, what, what guides us and empowers us and, and helps us to, to do life together with God. So how do we become mature in the faith? You know, how, do we, how does that spiritual formation happen? You know, or how do we really genuinely develop the character of Christ? You know, how do we become the kind of people that just naturally love and are naturally patient and naturally caring and considerate and, and all, all those things that we, we want to be? Well, first step is knowing God. Knowing God. In our passage, John says, those who are more spiritually mature have grown to know Jesus Christ and know God the Father. Well, how do we get to know God? I mean, it's through, uh, primarily through reading the Bible. It's, it's God's revelation of himself to us. But, but it's, it's, it's not just reading. It's, it's kind of talking to God as we read it, you know, asking the Holy Spirit to help us understand it. Uh, it's chewing, you know, it's kind of that, remember the contemplative and meditative prayer we talked about last May where you just sort of think about something over and over again. It's why repetition is important, that, that it becomes, we're kind of chewing on it, and pretty soon it becomes, it gradually becomes part of us. It really does change us. Um, even I was just thinking this morning as we were worshiping, that worship is an important part of, of getting to know God and experiencing God really getting to know him experientially. Uh, so God, so here's an example. If, if you have a belief or someone has a belief that God is this angry, demanding, critical, judgmental, harsh man, just looking for the next time I mess up. But then we start to read the Bible or listen to our, you know, other believers and we realize, wait a minute, the, the God that Jesus is talking about is a God who loves me and wants the best for me. And we try to say, okay, what does that look like in my life? And we, we talk to God about that. 
And pretty soon, we realize, okay, it really is true that he loves me. He wants the best for me. He wants me to have a life of purpose and joy and peace. So that's step one, is knowing God. Step two is knowing ourselves. You know, once we start to learn more about God, especially when we read the Gospels and we see who Jesus is, and we realize, hmm, well, I'm a little bit like him in this way, but maybe not so much over here, and yeah, I'm, I'm kind of backsliding in this area. I, I have some areas that, that I need to grow in. And we invite the Holy Spirit to you know, show us those places where you want to transform me, where you want to form me in a, a new way that's more like Jesus. And, and the, sometimes it's, it's other people, you know, we think, oh, I'm doing pretty well, I'm loving, I'm kind, I'm patient, until something happens where, you know, we're, we're frustrated or a situation or a person comes into our life that's annoying or painful or hurtful, something, you know, and we realize, man, I didn't respond very well. I got defensive, I almost tried to hurt back, I, you know, I, however it was, it's like, boy, that wasn't like Jesus. So we recognize that. And, and sometimes, though, we need other people. That's why our microchurches or good friends are there to, to help us say, you know, you may not realize it, but when you're in this situation, this is how you came across. Is that, is that really what you intended? You know, and, and you realize, ah, oh, you know, maybe my expressions or my body language say things that I didn't mean to say, but they, that was part of my heart that, that still needs that transformation. You know, it's kind of that bubbles up to the surface in those tough times when we, we realize those places we need. And we have blind spots, all of us do. So we got to know God, know ourselves. And then the third thing is we put Jesus' words into practice. When we really read Acts, which is right after the Gospels that talk about Jesus, then the early church's Acts, and then all the letters, like one that we're looking at now, we really see how God's people were trying to put Jesus' words into practice. And most of the time, they did pretty well. Some of they needed some correction along the way, which we all do. But when we put Jesus' words into practice and, and really follow what the Bible says, it develops what we might call experiential knowledge. Okay, here, here's an example. Jesus says it's better to give than to receive. Okay, But it, our world doesn't really say that. Our world says, man, you got to get all you can. you got to take care of yourself. You know, there, there's scarcity out there. We, there's not enough for everybody, so we got to make sure we get what we want. You know, work hard. You, I deserve this. All those kinds of things. But when I say, well, okay, if Jesus says it's better to give than receive, so I'm going to try to give to someone, whether it's my time, my talent, my resources. And in doing so, I experience, wow, that gave me great pleasure or joy and then I've got this experiential knowledge that's not just, well, that was a good idea, but it's really true that it's better to give than to receive. So there, there's an example of formation happening. Now, here's an example from my own life. When I was younger, I would often try to do too much, you know, like a younger adult, okay? Uh, you know, you're working, you got, you know, you're taking care of kids, you have a spouse, you, you want to do fun things, you know, you're, and, and there, so most of the things are good, you know, but you're always trying to add something else or, you know, your, your schedule's pretty tight, but, oh, I think I can run this errand in between this time. And, and what ends up happening when you try to do too much is what? You're in a hurry. Now, some people describe hurry as the opposite of love. Because when you're in a hurry, 
how likely are you to, to be kind and patient and loving? And somebody cuts you off in traffic or they, you know, they're just driving the speed limit and you're in a hurry, they're annoying. You, you know? So you're not very much like Jesus when you're in a hurry. And so, but I, so I gradually thought, okay, there, there's something going on here. I don't like the way I am when I'm in a hurry because I'm not very loving. And so I, and I started looking at Jesus' life and noticed that Jesus was never in a hurry. He was always relaxed, always interruptible, always loving. You know, he, he had time, and yet he was doing the most amazing stuff in the world. I mean, he did something for the world that was better than anybody else has ever done or anyone else ever will do. So I had to look at my life and go, okay, well, why, why was I in a hurry in the first place? You know, what was I believing that was not healthy? Things like, well, it's all up to me, or, you know, I have to make this happen. I have to provide for my family. I... I I need more, more is better, um, I, I want people to value me, you know, whatever it might be. And, and some of those are good and true, and some of them are not good. You know, some of them are kind of promoted by our world or social media, or, you know, didn't have social media back then, but we had enough still of pressures of, of what life in the world should look like. And so I, I had to learn and, and make some choices to slow down a little bit, to try to do less, to create margin in my schedule, you know, to actually have... a Thanks again for listening. Make sure to subscribe to get the weekly episodes in your podcast feed. You can find out more on how to get connected with Redemption Hill at redemptionboise.org connection, where you can fill out the connect card and start your journey today. For regular encouragement throughout the week, follow us on Instagram at Redemption Boise. We are so glad you're here and are excited to accompany you in your story with God. We hope to see you soon.